Pulse 95 Live with Abdul Karim and Aisha. Live from the Sharjah International Book Fair at the Expo Center Sharjah. Live at the Sharjah International Book Fair, and it's amazing that we are not only drawing inspiration for the listeners out there, but ourselves. Aisha has now been intrigued to write uh, a thriller book and more about murder mystery in this part of the globe, mm-hmm. uh, courtesy of the conversation that we've just had. Now, this. Well, the conversation that we're going to be having now is my cup of tea. A bit of political oh, yeah. thriller. I, I had a feeling. You had a feeling, Yeah, yes. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're the one who keeps... Uh, I remember, I think it was two years ago or three years ago, every time I mentioned anything on Netflix, everything that you mentioned had to do with politics <laughs> in some way or another. And honestly, fun fact, yes. I do talk a lot of politics. That's good. But with my dad. Okay. With my dad. So it, it's he's lucky that his only child is very good with politics. So there he has somebody go. to chat with. So if you want to chat with my dad as well, For sure. he'd be very happy. That would be to amazing. Have you over. Yeah. Well, we're talking uh, politics. The reason is because we've got, we're very kindly joined by Kathleen Antrim, who is uh, a name synonymous with the art of storytelling. She's known for her best selling political thriller, Capital Offense, and the psychological thriller, Through a Veil Darkly. Very, very good afternoon, and thank you for joining us today. Good afternoon. Good afternoon and thank you so much for having me. And we're looking forward to this because you're a radio host as well. So yeah. Yes, for many years, many years. So it feels at home to be right behind the microphone exactly. here. Exactly. Yes, so yes. looking forward to this. This could be a long uh, podcast for today. Um, uh, okay, so let, let's start off by talking about um, uh, your, your participation in the Sharjah International Book Fair. Uh, did you, you've just run a workshop as well. And you know, how, how has the reception been so far? Oh, the reception's been fantastic. Um, this is... Uh, my third or fourth year in coming back and I have to say this is one of my favorite events throughout the whole year I really look forward to this Um, everybody is so warm and inviting I learn a lot when I come here and it's just so interesting to see so many different cultures together Mm -hmm. I love that part I just it's it's so important for literacy but even more than that I think it's so important for us as members of the global community to come together and and meet each other and families and all of it it's just wonderful and what we usually hear from authors and just anybody who's in the world of books is that they almost always have some random background in this at some point they're like I'm gonna write a book and what I'm loving is just like Abdul Karim said you have you and I have a similar background you were a radio host and you are a radio host and you said I'm gonna write a book yes and yes so how did that happened like what was the progression for me it's uh, back when I was younger as I keep on mentioning it was just in the back of my head a bucket list before I die I need to write a book which is fabulous Mm -hmm. so you know I actually started with the book part first so I wrote my first book when I was seven years old Oh, wow. And, well, I mean, it, I was seven, so it, so it had wasn't a beginning. Um, yeah, it's probably not going to hit the bestseller <laughs> list. It hit my mother's bestseller well, list. That's, that's all it... That's, yes. So it had a beginning, a middle, and an end, mm-hmm. obviously. And the spelling wasn't great because I was seven, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I drew my own pictures. But oh, wow. um, fortunately, I have progressed a little bit from there. And I most of what happened in my life and in my career started from that moment when I look at it, because writing books actually... Um, led me into politics and being um, a political analyst for uh, national and international politics in print. Mm-hmm. I wrote for um, major newspapers in the United States and magazines, and then that led to radio, mm-hmm. uh, which led to me working on Capitol Hill behind the scenes in the Senate. And so it's kind of interesting how things kind of springboard 
And it wasn't really ever my deliberate intention. I never said, you know, someday I'm going to work on Capitol Hill and I'm going to be a radio talk show host. Mm -hmm. But when I look back at my path in life, it all pointed that direction. So it makes perfect sense. Amazing. Um, and, and when it comes to writing a book, uh, you, you've always had the passion for it as well. Um, why political thriller? You know, I'm really interested in moral bankruptcy and why people do what they do. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's my own way of trying to make sense of, quite frankly, um, the disturbing and sometimes awful things governments do mm -hmm. and politicians do. And, you know, we hope that our politicians have everyone's, you know, needs at heart and, you know, best wishes. But unfortunately, especially in recent years, it seems that uh, many politicians are really busy feathering their own nest and mm -hmm. not really worrying as much about their countries. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's just my way of kind of delving into that and trying to understand it. And um, it's a very difficult avenue to be touching on as well. You know, you can be treading on very difficult waters. It can be tipping on people's toes. You know, they might not be the happiest of all individuals when you do write and publish something. Absolutely. Uh, so how do you find the balance? Well, at, as a commentator, I was paid to have an opinion, right? Yep. So I think I, I got my opinions out that way. And on radio, I used to say I, I mouthed off a lot. Um, but with a book, I deliberately tried to write my characters as they would be and not have any part of it actually have a political agenda. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be a book that where people could pick it up and you know, forget about their daily concerns and be taken away into a great story, not worried about somebody preaching at them one way or the other politically. Mm -hmm. And based on your background as somebody who has been working within media politics and politics in media as well, did anybody connect themselves to any of the character characters and say, are you writing about me? Did they get angry? <laughs> did, any back, did you receive any backlash at all? You know, when I was first writing Capital Offense, I did, um, the book is it's based on the concept of the first lady plotting to overthrow the president mm -hmm. and was actually inspired by Hillary and Bill Clinton. It is not about them at all. Yes. And, and in fact, um, the first lady character is kind of a compilation of many first ladies in the United States throughout mm -hmm. history. Um, but I actually um, got a warning call at one point oh, wow. um, saying you need to be careful who you're researching mm. and why you're researching them and, and what you're doing with that information. So, um, yeah, that was a little sobering. Mm -hmm. But uh, otherwise, no, because really I tried to do the characters so that they could be from either party mm -hmm. and, um, you know, that no one would feel they were... It was about them. And what's funny about that is honestly, when somebody is truly that kind of a narcissist, they think they either think everything's about them or nothing's about them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Love that because um, there's a saying in, like, just like how they say, if the shoe fits. Right. If the shoe fits. And um, in Arabic, the, the idea is if you, it's like if the hat, if the hat fits. Sure. Same thing. Fits, it's the same thing. I mean, if you feel that you are that person, who knows, maybe you are that person. And maybe you should look at that. Maybe, yes, <laughs> maybe some self-reflection can take you a long way. And speaking about self-reflection, now you, then you switched from, now I'm not going to say it's a big switch, but it's, it kind of is because you're still in the genre of thriller, but you went to psychological thriller with your next book. So what happened there? What was the shift? Um, I just want to try something new and I had a concept um, and so I, I just 
I like the whole idea. And, and political thriller is similar with that too, where it's, it's a lot of that is psychological as well. Yeah. And I just find it very fascinating, again, how does the human mind work? And, and uh, if someone is broken, and uh, you know, how are they going to react to things? So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, in addition to the psychological thriller, you also try to get you know, thousands of other authors uh, find their inner author in them. Uh, you've yes. been doing a lot of coaching. You've done some coaching here as well over the years. Uh, can you talk to us about the, the, you know, your thoughts on uh, what are the basic things that you normally teach during your coaching sessions? You know, teaching writing is one of my greatest passions. And in fact, myself and some other best-selling writers have come together now. We've actually created a company called Outliers where we're going to be mentoring new writers and writers on, along their journey and creating an online community. Um, and we'll be teaching all aspects of craft. So to your point, um, it'll be everything from conflict and dialogue to voice. I mean, everything that you need to create and craft um, a very successful novel. Mm -hmm. And then we're also going to have a section of it that will be nonfiction as well because so much of the narrative drive in a novel is very important to a nonfiction book because that makes that book very popular as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so, you know, I love all aspects of it. I've even taught um, how to pitch your book okay. to agents and editors, and I have a, a young man that, I, well, he's not that young, but um, helped him with that, and he's now a New York Times bestseller. Wow. So when things like that happen, it just it lights me up. It makes me feel so good that I was able to help someone achieve their dreams. Honestly, you, I think I'm going to be signing up to that uh, Outliers, honestly, because and what I love about this entire festival, Thrill Fest and the book fair, truly is inspiring. Every single time I have a chance to sit down with authors or writers, I just end up having a blast because I just get this uh, enthusiasm that I'm going home right now. And I will write a book. I'm going to write something, even if it's a sentence. And I'm loving that so much because and, and this is not the first time we hear from an author during this edition of this book fair, where they also have side initiatives where they're teaching somebody. For example, uh, Shelby, who is a poet, she has a whole a club, a poetry club as well. And I want to ask you the same question I asked her. How do you balance that out? Because you want to teach, you love teaching, you just said so. It's a passion within you. How do you kind of balance that out where you want to give everything to all these people, but also you need to save that up for yourself as well? You know, that is truly a balancing act mm -hmm. because teaching is such a, writing's a passion, of course, yeah. too. So I deliberately have to schedule time, like from this time to this time I'm writing, and from this time to this time I'll work on outliers, what have you. Um, otherwise, I could find myself really getting involved in one or the other and letting, you know, go by the wayside, mm -hmm. which I, I can't let that happen either. Mm -hmm. So it's really a matter of time management, quite frankly. And teaching, I find, really um, inspires me to write. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure what that is. I think. Part of it might be as you're explaining concepts, you're actually learning more yourself too. The better you get at teaching it, yeah. you're actually teaching yourself as well. Mm -hmm. So they really, in a way, feed each other. Mm. And now, a lot of people, a lot of us who are trying to juggle multiple roles, you know, not only just are, are we a radio presenter and, uh, and a, an author and a political commentator, but you know, we're, 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 we're mom and dad eventually as well. So there's, there's a lot of balancing act involved. For sure. Exactly. So 
we are prone to get a lot of writer's blocks as well. Um, how do you tend to overcome the writer's block, or especially at, at a junction where you might be stuck at when it comes to uh, completing your, your novel or even uh, a, a piece of work that you're working on? So you're probably going to want to throw something at me, but um, I actually don't believe in writer's block. Okay. And I'll tell you why. When I'm writing for a newspaper or a magazine and I have a deadline, you got to get it done. Yeah. I mean, that spot is saved for you in that periodical, and if you don't get it done, I mean, you'd be out of a job. Yeah. So you have to do your work. You have to get it done. That said, when it comes to a book or any project where I've like come to a, a, a point where I'm um, not sure where I'm going to take it next, I usually back up and go back and do some editing and read where I've gotten, you know, where I came from, mm -hmm. because sometimes I've perhaps created something that is not true in the story. Mm -hmm. So I kind of go back to look for the lie. Like, where did I, if I'm up against a roadblock here, I may have led myself in a direction that's not truthful to the characters or the plot or what have you. So I kind of mm -hmm. go back in that, start editing, and I'll say, oh, this is what really isn't ringing true, and that's why I'm in this corner. And it'll help me come out of it. Yeah. So that's typically it. Now, Abdul Karim brought up writer's block. What about reading? Reader's block? Because I feel like that is, in a way, because that's a lot more relatable to a lot of people. Not everybody are writers, but a lot of people are readers. And I personally have had reader's block for around 10 years now. <laughs> it's, it's been it's, it's a long way. I My shelf is brimming is going to explode with the amount of books I have. Yeah. Um, same goes for my phone as well. Lots of, uh, lots of e-books and whatnot. And obviously, you need to read as well to help with your writing. Absolutely, yes. So, yes. and I also found out that this is very common with a lot of people. And I'm not sure if it's just being turning into an adult or just something happening while you're changing and growing. Something happens when you're like, oh my God, I cannot read anymore, even though you used to ingest 20 books a day. Right. So, what do you do? How do you break that, especially if you want to expand your knowledge and expand your ability to write yourself? You know, that kind of resistance, I really think, at least for me, and I'm just, all I can do is speak to myself, right? Yeah. Is um, I'm resistant to change. Mm. So, for example, if I'm reading books and I'm, I'm like really on a roll, like, oh, I love that book, then I want to read another one and another one and another one. If I get out of that habit and say, now I'm, you know, I don't know, painting pictures or something, then I want to paint the pictures and I don't want to change back and be reading. Yeah. So it's just a matter of making myself start mm -hmm. and then and making sure I pick a book that's really going to be gripping. And then once I start it, then I'm like going down the road and it's fine. And then I'll keep reading books. Mm -hmm. But it's true. It's almost like phases you go through. Yeah. But you can break the pattern by just picking up one book that you know. And it doesn't have to be something like that's a literary great, it, mm -hmm. but it does need to be something that you just can't put down. Mm -hmm. And then you'll be back in the mode. My issue with that is that it's not even me putting it down. It's the fact that I need to pause and go to work, for example. <laughs> oh, I, oh, goodness, it's time to eat lunch. And that comes in the way. Right. I put that book and then it never picks, picks it up, up again. You know, I, I keep them on my bedside table. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll just say, OK, I'm going to read two pages before I mm -hmm. fall asleep or what have you. And um, it always ends up to be more pages when mm -hmm. it's a great book, and there you have it. So exactly. I think that's a good strategy, just uh, just to make sure that you uh, allocate the time just before bed for it. And if you get mm -hmm. in involved with it, then that that book certainly is 
quite gripping. Oh my gosh, yeah. yes, yes. And then you're you're you know upset the next morning because you stayed up way too late yeah. because yeah. it was too <laughs> gripping. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, so what are you working on next now? What's you the know, upcoming project? I'm, I'm booking, working on a big historical thriller set oh, in the late okay. 1200s. Ooh, love that. And it's um, kind of a Marco Polo and Polo family saga meets Pirates of the Caribbean. So big action wow. adventure starts in the Mongolian Empire, goes to the Venetian Republic. Some action adventure on the high seas etc so yeah Amazing. it's a lot of fun to write looking forward to it well kathleen thank you for joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure lots to learn from you as well and we hope to see you again at the charge international book oh Fair. thank you thank you thank you so much for having me you guys are great brilliant well we'll look forward to more such engaging discussions so stay tuned to pulse 95. pulse 95 live with abdul karim and aisha live from the sharjah international book fair at the expo center sharjah pulse.